KXNO. Ken Miller. Oh, Trent Condon. Score. This is Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon on a Wednesday as Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO returns to local programming for the rest of the, well, right up until 6 o'clock here tonight with Murph and Andy from 1 to 3 and, of course, the drive, Heather and Sean taking you home from 3 until 6. But Trent Condon, Ken Miller with you talking sports for the next couple of hours. Appreciate you spending some of that period of time uh, here with us. Here's what's coming up on the show today. BMW of Des Moines guest list shapes up like this. We are going to rely heavily in the first hour on our friends over at 24-7 Sports uh, from uh, the Hawkeye Insider site, the Iowa site, obviously. We will talk with David Eicholt. A lot of ground to cover there. Spring practice starting today. Day. Pro Day was held on Monday. And oh, by the way, Bluter's Bunch moves on. So we'll uh, discuss all of those topics uh, with David Eichel. The transfer portal continues to um, get bigger and bigger and bigger by the day. So we'll see if there's any news there. We'll follow that with our friend Nick Osen, who was part of the media contingent in Ames. I see Mike Tomlin, the Steelers coach, was one of the uh, uh, many coaches uh, in attendance yesterday. But uh, Nick Olson was there covering the event. And uh, Nick will give us kind of the intel that he was able to pick up as to who looked uh, as maybe they made themselves some money or perhaps uh, boosted their opportunities to hear their name called Nick Olson coming up at 11.50. Wanted to give Chris Connolly, the uh, general manager of the Iowa Event Center, a couple of days just to compress before we reached out to him here today. Uh, with the success, and I mean, I find it uh, hard to believe that you could use another uh, description other than a successful two-day stand here in Des Moines from this past weekend. When can we get back in the rotation again? Uh, so that's probably question number one for Chris Connolly, but just kind of going over um, you know what if what they would do, what they will do, because it's not if it's when uh, this tournament returns to Des Moines. So Chris Connolly at twelve oh five, and then David Kaplan, our buddy from Chicago, ESPN one thousand, will join us at twelve thirty. Uh, Chicago sports, White Sox, Cubs. He was not into the World Baseball Classic when I spoke with him last week. Did his opinion change uh, prior to last night's championship game, USA and Japan? And we start right there. Uh, and, and what a game, right? Mm-hmm. And, and what a shot in the arm for, for baseball. Um, I, th- I think it's been, look, there's been a lot of talking points with the rule changes. So uh, baseball getting, other, you know, at a time that, I don't know, struggles the right word to get the top of the fold in the newspaper used to be a thing. Um, but people are talking about baseball and then the world uh, classic uh, from yesterday, baseball classic, just the, the ending that we got, the players, the joy that they had. Um, just a phenomenal game. Phenomenal game. As it was coming down to the wire and starting in, the eighth inning, I said, God dang, Ken's going to get exactly what he's talked about. I mean, just... <laughs> well, the, the blind squirrel, right? The, the way it was setting up yeah. and... Then the double play. That moment, the, the double play. <laughs> Come on, Mookie. <laughs> right. Come on, Mookie. Get up that line. But... And then just the pitch sequence. Oh, my God. Otani against leadoff guy just missing. How about the umpire? You love to rip on baseball mm, umpires. Terrific. He was excellent. Terrific. Yeah, it was phenomenal. He really was. That was a 51-49 call, yep. and he had it just right by a millimeter. Too. Yep, I and thought he did too. And leadoff man gets on, and then two outs then after the double play, 
and Trout comes up there, mm. four pitches at 100 miles an hour, and then that slider. <laughs> Filthy. Frisbee. Unhittable. Frisbee. Uh, unhittable. It was just a... And then the, the uh, Otani throws his arms in the air, throws his glove off. Uh, I mean, have you ever seen him show that kind of passion ever? He's never had the opportunity. Well, that's true, too. Never thought about that. <laughs> there's, there's never been a moment yeah. like I mean, that. Not in this country, league, yeah, anyways. Not, yeah, In his Major League Baseball career. You know, and, and reading more and more stories. I remember a year ago reading a story about his interpreter mm-hmm. and him and his interpreter, what the, the relationship is together. I mean, they're together seemingly yeah. 8, 10, 12 hours a day. Just because from the time he gets to the ballpark until he leaves, mm-hmm. his interpreter is right there with him. And, and the relationship that they have, he's kind of a goofy guy. Every once in a while, he'll, he'll kind of throw things. And Otani, he just doesn't feel comfortable speaking. He can speak English. Well, you can tell because he speaks with his – him and Trout were behind the, uh, the batter's cage. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were conversing. Yes. So I don't think Trout knows Japanese. I, I would guess not. <laughs> right? You wouldn't think so? But it's I, don't, just... I don't think there's many of those in Philadelphia <laughs> at high school. Good point. Probably not, not many Japanese classes. Mm-hmm. But it's just more of a comfortable. Absolutely. And not wanting it. to say the wrong kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or and, come across. You're 100% right. And, you know, for him, for baseball, the personality that we got to see play out here over the last couple of weeks, him playing with his country brotherman. Mm-hmm. That's something that baseball needs. We need to see that personality, too. Yes. That's important for the growth of the game here. And this guy that we've never... Nobody has seen this before. Nobody that is listening in our audience ever saw Babe Ruth play. No, no. not Well, I don't think... I don't think anybody saw Babe Ruth play in person. This is something we haven't seen in seemingly years. It's rare fire there, Trent. Whatever whatever you come up with for your list of the greatest... Mm -hmm. I don't care if you're a Wilt Michael debate. Right. Yep. I don't care if you're a Lemieux Gretzky debate. Right. I don't care what debate you want to have with quarterback. You know, if you're a Brady or a Montana, mm-hmm. um, this guy is in every conversation because, as you just said, and you're 100% right, we've never seen this before. You know, I was thinking about this last night, and granted, it was post 830. So <laughs> I wonder do today's kids know Babe Ruth? Babe Ruth is. Babe Ruth is one of those athletes. Mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali, the world knew Ali. Pele, I think the world knew Pele. Mm-hmm. Babe Ruth, do, does the today's youth know Babe Ruth like my generation? I'm assuming your generation. Certainly not our generations. I think it is still a name that reverberates, though. That, it's a candy bar. That helps, Absolutely. And just the lore of him, mm-hmm. the Big Bambino, you know, yeah. all the nicknames. Yeah. And I think there, there's definitely a piece, but it's different. And we talked about this not too long ago. Numbers, how sacred they were. Mm-hmm. The back of the baseball. 14. Those numbers and what they meant, and certainly in baseball more than anything. And well, you have all that information in your pocket. Mm-hmm. You don't have to memorize those stats like we had to memorize them. I mean, that was, I was like a carnival barker because, hey, where did this guy go to school? Hey, what? <laughs> I had those things because I was a sports nerd, and that's that was my identity uh-huh. growing that up. That was your I, internet, the back of baseball cards. Yes, and I was that guy, and that's what uh-huh. I memorized. It, it wasn't my fact sheet. It wasn't doing schoolwork. It was all the sports things that I could digest, and that's what it was. And I would sit for hours and read through mm-hmm. the sports almanac. Is there any way Jack's going to be doing that? No. Uh, no chance. No. In fact, talking to Andrew Downs yesterday in our uh, shift change here, and AD said, 
he was hoping for Mexico to win. His son was hoping for Mexico to win. Why? Who's all, on? all North America? Oh, okay. <laughs> That's what he's going all through. Right. They probably had like a North America, you know, class or something in, in a social studies class, and that was the reasoning behind it. And he said all he watches now, though, all Charlie watches is YouTube on sports. Really? That's how he digests his sports information. Uh-huh. It's on YouTube. So he gets on there and he'll go and he said, yeah, I need to have him watch an Otani one because he wasn't as excited about the Japan-U.S. matchup mm-hmm. going last night. So he was going to do that before the game. Oof. And this is this guy you're going to be able to see perhaps tonight in that one. So I thought that was really cool, but just a different way. It's not baseball cards and looking at the back and memorizing those numbers. Yeah. It's watching YouTube and getting the stories that way. And there's so much Babe Ruth stuff. That I'm gonna guess. I hope. I yeah. hope that's the case. I really do. I hope that um, that he maintains his place and his lore because he hasn't played since the '40s for crying out loud. But yet, everybody, certainly, you know, when when I grew up, everybody knew Babe Ruth. I just wonder about today's kids. You know, a baseball player? No, he's not. He's a candy bar. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. Uh, Mark joins, uh, wants to uh, chime in, and we're grateful to him for listening. Hello, Mark. How are you? Hey, guys. Doing great. Uh, love the show. Thank you. As always. Hey, I don't know if I'm nerding it up here, but no, Ken, I just want to make sure. Maybe you're going off Canadian on us here. <laughs> okay. But, but, um, you know that the Baby Ruth candy bar was not named after Babe Ruth, right? Yeah, I, I did know that, true, but I just, it, it's, it's a candy bar. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, well, I, it's named after, I don't know, a granddaughter of a president or something? I don't Is know. Is that right? I didn't it, know that part of it. I knew it wasn't after Babe Ruth. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's something like that. Um, but uh, anyways, I I just couldn't resist calling <laughs> it, but uh, love, love listening to you guys. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Uh, get back Thank to us you. anytime. Yep. Um, yeah. Now I got. Now I got to find out what it is named after. Babe Ruth. I, I'm looking through it right now. Although the name of the candy bar sounds like the name of famous baseball yep. player Babe Ruth, the Curtis Candy Company traditionally claimed it was named after President Grover Cleveland's daughter, Ruth Cleveland. Well, Mark was right on the money. Mark. So what was the name of the candy company? Curtis. Curtis Candy. candy. Company. I've never heard of that. Curtis Candy Company. Now I got to click. Well, on I don't it. do a candy show, so probably we wouldn't, right? Chicago based. Chicago based. Now well, they don't own it now, do they? I think they've been bought by a conglomerate. Oh yeah, yeah. That's owned by what's the big one? Mars. M and M. Mars. Yes, yeah. it is. It, it is Mars. Um, <laughs> just flaunting our. Number. Look, look at this. Uh, absolutely, we're we're coloring outside our lines. Jeff, welcome, Jeff. How are you? Good. Uh, you know, I know you guys touch base. And you're touching touch basing on baseball, but. You know, I still think kids forget about how good Michael Jordan was in the late 80s. But let's skip on Michael Jordan. Let's talk about Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they saved the NBA. The NBA finals yep, I agree. Peyton Delay mm-hmm. yep. in the 80s. Everybody was doing drugs, drinking in the locker room. <laughs> well, they were painting with a pretty bad. <laughs> oh, you meant the players. I thought you meant all players, okay, the players. Yeah, okay. No, 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 the players. Yep. From what I heard, so, everybody you know, was. Not just the players. So Magic and Larry, you know, they were so influential mm-hmm. to the NBA and, and beyond. I mean, you had black, white, you had east, west. Um, they started in. You know, Michigan State and Indiana State, 1979. The most watched college basketball game to this day, and I know there was more TVs and less channels, the most watched game Mm -hmm, ever mm -hmm. still. Yep. Unbelievable. Um, Second thing I wanted to touch base on, you know, and I hear it all on the radio and on TV, you know, Des Moines was great uh, last week for NCAA and Wells Fargo. It was a home run. Well, it always is, and that's great. And I've been there, and I've been to other venues, and fantastic. 
what I would like to know, and I hope maybe you could ask ask uh, the guy that Chris Conley. Yep, yep. Yeah, is there any way we could ever get a regional final? I just don't think it's big enough. I don't think the building's big enough. How big is how big is T-Mobile? I think about twenty. I think about twenty. But you know what, Jeff? I think uh, if you were to ask, if you were to pull um, Greater Des Moines Partnership or Catch Des Moines, I think they would rather have the uh, more teams come for the weekend, thus more fan bases for the uh, for the opening round. I mean, um, because if you get a regional, you're you're down to four teams as opposed to eight teams and. Just more people coming to our uh, coming to our market. But let me ask you this, Ken, and, and and I would argue that. But don't you think there'd be more juice in Des Moines to have a, re- a Sweet Sixteen regional yeah, I mean, final? It's, it's sure, it's bigger. Final no, four. I don't, I don't disagree with that point. I don't disagree with that point. Depends I will on who's here him. too. What do you mean from the, on the Thursday Saturday? Yeah, I mean if all of a sudden instead of having Kansas and Illinois yeah. and local flavor, we're getting St. John's and we're right. getting Oregon State. And we got Alabama, San Diego State, Creighton. Well, Creighton would be a different one, but Princeton, you know, something like that. What if we get K State, Michigan State, FIU? We've been and fortunate. We've been really fortunate, Trent, and hey, that's hey. what you run into too. I, but the building size—that's a big one too. And it's now. I've heard this trend. Is this true? Is is our airport not big enough? Do we not? Have, not oh, have I don't know about that. Not anymore. Are those- that was okay. in the very beginning. Yes. The hotel thing was an issue. Uh, I, okay. It's not anymore. But I'll ask those questions, Jeff. Absolutely will. Thanks, Ken. Yep, thank you. Appreciate you listening uh, and calling in. Uh, David wants to chime in. We're grateful. David, uh, welcome to the program. How are you? Good. I, I loved when you guys would talk about what do you think the youth today know about Babe Ruth. And yep. I, I have a 13-year-old. Okay. And when he saw the movie Sandlot, he had no idea who Babe Ruth was. Really? That's how he got exposed to Babe Ruth. And then I heard him talking to his teammates one time. They were talking about who the best player was. And my son goes, the Sultan of Swan. <laughs> nice. And they were all looked at him like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> That's you know? great. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, he learned about Babe Ruth from that. From a thought, movie. Oh, that's wow. interesting. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, from a movie. When did yeah. he When did he um, uh, find his love for the game, your son? How old? Uh, eight, eight years old. Yeah. Probably eight. Playing yeah. catch in the front yard or in, in the yard? What, how did How did he get to baseball, David? Yeah, well, he had older big brothers okay. and, and that, you know, and then that kind of the love for basketball, football. But, you know, baseball, that's kind of how it started. You know, he... He really enjoyed. He played. His first game was when he was four, wow. and they had hit off coffee cans stacked with an oversized ball really? with a wiffle bat. <laughs> yeah, and there was a league that they played, and you know, of course, that's that's how they learned the game. But he really <laughs> loved it, and from that point on, he was he'd carry a bat in his hands. So, David, yeah. thanks for sharing your story. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yep. Take care. Good to hear from you. You've never seen the Sandlot, right? I think we've I had this conversation. I think I have. No, it's. It's not a kids movie per se. I mean, yeah. it's about kids. Is it kind of like the Walter Matthau? The what's that one? Uh, um, it's a baseball movie with kids. Tanner, the kid with the chewing tobacco. Um, oh, bad news bears. Bad news bears. Thank you. It, it is. It's a little more kitty even than that. But okay. I think you'd really enjoy it. It's nostalgia. It's kind. Of, it's a little bit of an era before you, but it's kids. I think from the fifties, maybe sixties, yeah. growing up. And that's a good summer viewing for you. I think you would really enjoy it. The nostalgia that's along with it. It's a kids' movie, but it's something I think you would enjoy. I'm, I'm going to put that. Okay. You get one of those summer days where you're looking for something. So you're going to send me home with some homework. Yeah, I'm absolutely. in. Absolutely, I'm in. You, that's one as a baseball fan like you. You like nostalgia too. Yep. 
We all do as we get older. Well, don't I have we? a two hour, two hour and twenty minute flight tomorrow, and there's no Wi Fi on Allegiant. I wonder if I can get it on oh, Netflix. Yeah, if you can download that one, that would I think you would really, really enjoy it. It'd get your baseball juices certainly flowing even more oh, after last they, night. And last they couple. are, man. Yeah. I mean, they they truly are. Uh, Bill, welcome to the program. Bill, thanks for being patient. How are you? Kenny, you gotta watch the Sandlot. <laughs> okay, I'm in. You gotta watch it. I'm in. Okay, gotta watch it. Uh, I agree with you also, Ken, about Des Moines not being big enough for a regional final. I've been to all three in Des Moines. I've been to Omaha a couple of times. But our experience this weekend was great, and we don't live very far away. Had a blast. The reason I say that they can't hold that many people, because I saw in our section where they actually put more seats in than what's actually in the building now. Uh, we were in the second level. We were in, I can't remember exactly the section, but there were three sections where you would walk up to the top to get out. They had a wooden platform set up all along the wall there where, and with high-top chairs. So you had to walk through everybody to get to the entrances. So I'm wondering, when you talk to Conley, you know, did the NCAA say, hey, you know what, you can put 50 more chairs in mm. here? That's interesting because when I heard the capacity this past weekend, it 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 dawned on me that I think that's uh, that that's there's more people or it's a bigger capacity than I thought it was. Uh, so I will ask that, Bill. I will. I appreciate you. Um, I appreciate you chiming in with that. That's good info. Thank you, Bill. Anything else? Nope, that's it. We had a great time. Great job, Chris Conley, Des Moines, the whole. Uh, oh, I love it. Awesome. Absolutely was. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate it. Uh, I, yeah, I love when our city shows out, and mm-hmm. it certainly was. Uh, it had its Sunday best on all weekend long, did it not? You can uh, rent the Sandlot on Amazon Prime. So okay. download the Amazon Prime app on your iPad. Download it there. It's probably like a two ninety nine rental, something like that. You'll have it for thirty days, and there's your viewing on your plane ride. I, you know what? I think I'm going to do it. But I get looks. I mean, I don't think do people. No, they don't look at what you're watching on your iPad. I, I'm going to do it. All right. Um, what do we got coming up? Well, we're going to talk uh, to our guys at twenty four seven Sports. We're going to get into Iowa and to Iowa State. Uh, their pro days from yesterday. The buzz around Will McDonald. I hope that they break that fifty year drought. Right? Between Abinson and is Will McDonald going to be the guy? It is something that is used against them in recruiting. It's been 50 years. Do you think? It probably is, right? Oh, yeah. yeah I never thought about that aspect. Well, I've told you about my buddy's son that's being recruited right now by both in-state schools and schools across the country. And I know at least what Iowa sends. It says NFL draft picks, first-round mm-hmm. draft picks, you know, those kind of things. Well, <laughs> you pick up the Iowa State one and... Yeah. You can't have that first-round draft pick on there. No, no, you can't. I mean, it's it's something that is out there and something that is certainly talked about. So just getting that monkey off their back would be so important. Mm-hmm. But there's wide ranges of opinions on him, too. I mean, I Well, oh, there absolutely is. Everywhere from 9 to yeah, Into the 40s. Yeah. Yeah, into the 40s. I think uh, I saw one yesterday, 42, something like that. Right. So, although the one that was 9, wasn't that Kuiper? Kuiper has was backed. That- Track since Has then, he? yeah, he came out with another one maybe yesterday, and now he's got him in the twenties. Oh, okay. So, I don't know if um, look, it's it's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't it? Isn't it? Maybe not with him. Look, we thought Brees Hall had a chance last we year. We did. We missed it by missed it by four. Well, and if Brees Hall would have come around fifteen years earlier. He absolutely would have been. That's first a great point. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're they're not valued. Just like Jeff Campbell came around fifteen years earlier. Mm-hmm. If he came around twenty five years earlier. Jeff Campbell probably be a top ten pick. Boy, oh boy, he looks the part. Did you? <laughs> and, and, six five two forty nine, 
runs as well as any linebacker mm-hmm. that has gone through all the drills. Mm-hmm. Just And then I go back to the leadership thing. We've heard Kirk every single year talk about leadership. Yep. We've never heard it in the terms he yep. talks about Jack Campbell. Special place for Jack Campbell. Yeah. Special place for Jack Campbell. There's, there's no doubt about it. Uh, we shall see. A lot of NFL talk, obviously, coming up in the in the weeks ahead, including um, the, the the buzz out there coming from the Twin Cities. Are they into? Are the Vikings interested in Lamar Jackson? I mean, I don't know how you can be at this point. I, you should be. I'm not saying that you shouldn't kick the tires. It's going to cost you two first round picks, which is really a drop in the bucket, I think, for a guy that's um, I mean, not that old in his mid twenties, won an MVP. Um, but Kirk Cousins has the guaranteed deal. Kirk Cousins has a no-trade contract. Yes, this is his last year, but I don't know how you can realistically fit Lamar Jackson under the cap even if there is interest there. I think it's a year too soon, sadly. I think it's a year too soon. Uh, we, we shall see uh, as, uh, as to where A, Jackson's going to land and are the Vikings going to be one of those teams that uh, are legitimately... Um, you know, going to make a run at him because it's shocking to me at this point that because the Ravens have given him permission, you know, get out there. We'll see. Uh, AJ is with us. Uh, and, and here's the thing. The Ravens have signed a bunch of guys. Right. Yes. <laughs> you would have thought priority number one would be, oh, maybe the most important position in all of sports. But seemingly they're not. I don't know what's happened there. Well, you go back to the playoffs last year, didn't play. Right. And there's a lot of folks that thought, you know, he's making a business decision to stay out of the lineup. AJ's up next. AJ, how are you? Good, Ken. Hey, I heard you're going west, and I I shared with Trent that a couple Clear Lake guys are going east to Madison Square Garden in the morning because we've got nice. a young lady from Clear Lake, Iowa, that is on the Tennessee dance team, my friend's daughter. So we are going in the morning to uh, New York City. We get to watch K-State, Michigan Huge. State, and then it's... Uh, Go balls and go Rocky Top for a couple of Clear Lake guys to support them. So you know the Rocky Top to sound, that. right? AJ, you, you, you'll, if oh, you don't yeah. know it now, you'll have it memorized by the end of the game. So where do you oh, do you come yeah. to Des Moines to fly out of Des Moines, or where do you leave from? We leave. We'll leave at three forty-five in the morning and go up to Minneapolis and fly. To Probably the makes better sense. Yeah, doing. right. And yeah. that's a non-stopper a, oh. through Minneapolis to LaGuardia. I'm assuming, right? You got it. Yeah. You got it, buddy. And uh, I've been to a couple of football games down there the last two years, and it's uh, if you if you ever have a chance, guys, go to Neyland. It's uh, it's, it's an experience. It's the one I'm SEC stadium that may get me out of my base. May. May. Uh, I mean, I've got two. I've got. I want to be a part of the regatta. I want to come uh-huh. up to the stadium in a boat, and I would love to see Baton Rouge and LSU at night. Those are the, those you are the two it. on my bucket list. So. We shall see. That is, to me, it's kind of the Iowa City of uh, the SEC, the way the campus and the town and the river all kind of work together. So, yeah. Have you so, been yeah, to Madison Square? Fun, yeah, have you been to Madison Square Gardens? Nope. Oh, boy. Never. You're Never in for a treat. New York City, so oh, boy. I'm excited. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, have boy. fun. Thank you, AJ. <laughs> yep, you too. Appreciate it. Great northern Iowa boy there from Clear Lake. Yeah, interesting. So the signal's booming in? Absolutely. Or iHeartRadio. Me. iHeartRadio app. But on 106.3, what is the range? Do you know? Have you seen the, the pattern? I have had it you know, on my way like up to Cedar Falls to call games mm-hmm. at the Unidome. And I can usually get up to, towards Iowa Falls, usually, mm-hmm. and then flip it over to the app and, and finish the drive that way. But yeah, that's usually about the range. So yeah, we're certainly no, well north of Ames. Uh, we can boom out there. And 
I'm not even sure. You know, signals, radio signals, people don't know. They point different directions. Now, that's more of an AM thing yeah. than it is an FM thing. I'm not even sure what where the signal points. Don't know. No. Uh, it points up. Yes. For us, anyways, on this uh, frequency. We'll take our time out. We'll come back. We're going to talk Iowa and Iowa State in that order. Both of those schools had their pro days. A lot of ground to cover with Eichel, David Eichel, who just signed an extension. Did you see that when Great you were? to see. It was awesome. Good for him. Um, he does a nice job over there. David Eichel uh, covers the Hawkeyes for 24-7. Uh, then his colleague in Ames, or who covers the squad in Ames, Nick Olson from CycloneAlert.com. He'll recap Iowa State's Pro Day. Miller and Condon underway on a Wednesday's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. For details. Now back to Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. Here's Ken and Trent. Condon, welcome back. It's Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Time to get heavy into the 247 resources that Trent and I have on the program. By the way, heard from Hampton, Iowa during the break, Trent. Yeah, another North Iowa. Love North Iowa. Your people. Where are the Green Devils? Come on, Osage. Where are you at? I know you're out there listening. Uh, Let's get to uh, David Eichel, who covers Iowa, HawkeyeInsider.com. A lot of ground to cover with him. Pro days, spring practice, the Iowa women march on all the way to Seattle. And David joins us. And David, before we get into some of those topics, first of all, congratulations on signing the extension with uh, two 247. Great to see both you and your colleague over uh, who covers Iowa State, Nick Oson, staying in our wonderful state of Iowa and continuing to provide the coverage uh, of the two needle movers. Uh, how are you, David Eichel? Congratulations. Hey, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. It's good to be joining you guys. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've loved my job here and I think there's a lot of exciting stuff ahead. So it's uh, I, I was happy to get out of the way before things ramp up with spring ball, but I appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. Good stuff. Well, let's uh, let's start, I guess, uh, earlier in the week. We'll go back to uh, the pro days. Uh, Iowa had theirs on Monday. Jack Campbell was uh, maybe my biggest takeaway was just watching him and, uh, and uh, looking forward to where he lands and the impact he makes playing on Sundays. But what uh, take a couple of takeaways from you, uh, what you were able to witness and who you were able to speak to afterwards that may uh, have improved their draft stock. You know, I think the most important thing for the guys that were at Pro Day is I don't think anybody really hurt themselves. I mean, I think a lot of Iowa players from based on people I've talked to really proved a lot during the NFL Combine. I mean, Joel Klatt has Sam Laporta as the 46th best prospect in the draft now. I think people are looking at Jack Campbell as a potential late first-round pick, maybe a potential early second-round pick as well. Kayvon Merriweather, Riley Moss looking to go around the third round, third or fourth round right now. So I think you look at where they're projected at now versus maybe where they were a couple months ago. I think they really opened a lot of eyes. But, yeah, you know, we got a chance to talk to Jack Campbell uh, Kayvon Mayweather, a few others, did not get the chance to talk with Lucas Van Ness or Riley Moss. They had a bunch of interviews and stuff right after Pro Day. So, unfortunate we didn't get to talk to them, but obviously understand why. But, yeah, it's, it's it was been a really good couple months, I think, for these Iowa guys trying to improve their draft stock. I think Jack Campbell just talking with him and really dissecting you know, his answers and getting to know him over the past couple of years, he's going to make some NFL organization really happy. I think the second he goes in there, He's going to be a starter. I think he has a very, very high floor with a very high ceiling. I think there's not a lot of bust potential there, especially when you listen to him talk. Very uh, very Brian Erlacher vibes, in my opinion, just as far as his demeanor goes. But, uh, 
Yeah, I think they really didn't they didn't hurt themselves, and uh, I think Iowa's going to hear their name called pretty early and uh, pretty often. A little bit down further, Seth Benson, Jack Wagner, guys that will likely have to go the free agent route there. Of those two, who has the better opportunity, you think, to stick on a roster next year? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I, I'm going to go with Seth Benson just simply from the production aspect. Mm-hmm. I think John Wagner has better size, obviously, but I think the skill level for defensive linemen is just so tough to be able to crack that rotation. Seth Benson's a guy comes from obviously comes from Iowa, a team that prides itself on special teams. I think Seth Benson, if he's able to make a roster, he could probably contribute on special teams. And I think, you know, him being in the area throughout these past couple months and training with NFL linebackers like Ben Neiman, Nick Neiman, Christian Welch, and some of those guys really picking their brain a little bit, I think that's going to help him. And again, I think obviously I think the size is probably not ideal for his position, but I think the production's too much to ignore. So if there's of those two, I, I'd probably lean towards Seth a little bit more. Do you have any, uh, as far as a, a team count, how many teams showed up uh, in Iowa City to watch the Pro Day? All 32 teams. Great, great. All 32 teams did. I believe Mike Tomlin was in attendance for the Pittsburgh Steelers yeah. as well. Uh, Kayvon Merriweather and a couple other other guys said that was the person they were most shell-shocked by or starstruck <laughs> by. So that was kind of cool to, to pick their brain a little bit. And I'll tell you, man, Jack Campbell, the Steelers. It's uh, I think there's definitely wow. some traction there. Wow, uh, interesting. They've had some linebackers. Yes, they have. Right. Another um, guy with the name Jack. Uh, yeah, I'll say well, Lambert and Ham and Ham. Another one. <laughs> Both of them. Jack's a pretty good name for linebacker Whew. over there with the Steelers. Maybe connecting some dots. Lambert, there. no front teeth, a yes. smile, the guy, a different arrow. He absolutely looked perfect. Well. As we turn our attention to football and what's happening on the field for the guys that are coming back for another season, what is the biggest question that you have here this spring? What What is going to linger in your mind? And, mind, and secondly, are we going to get any answers here this spring, or is it going to be kind of same old, same old? <laughs> I mean, the, the questions have to be about the offense, right? Sure. I think it's going to be what happens with the development of the wide receivers? I think it's very obvious that Iowa's going to have to hit the second. When the portal opens again, they have to get one more receiver, at least one more receiver. Because, look, Cade McNamara, I believe, is going to go through team activities. I don't know how much he's going to play in spring. I'm hoping we get an update from Kirk about that today. He seemed optimistic. I'm not really concerned about what the quarterback play is going to be like. I think it's going to be about the production of the wide receivers. I think the tight end duo between Luke Lachey and Eric All is going to be top three in the country. Uh, I think it's going to rival Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson's production, which might be an unrealistic expectation, but those two guys have the capabilities to do that. But also, how, how much is the offensive line going to improve? over the spring because, look, Spencer Petras was a great leader. I thought he had great command of the offense. Yes, he could have helped himself a little bit more, but that offensive line did not help him last season, and they cannot go through what they did last season from an offensive line standpoint. Logan Jones is going to have to take a big step forward. They got Dijon Parker. I think that's going to be a big addition. And obviously, Rusty Feth, when he gets on campus, I think he'll stabilize the interior a little bit. But that offensive line has to make some big strides under George Barnett because, I always try to get position coaches three years. This is going to be a third year for George Barnett. I, I think there needs to be a significant mm-hmm. improvement on the line right away to start the season. Preaching the choir there. Tell me about Deacon Hill. That, this is a name that uh, kind of escaped me. I just thought that 
you know, um, one of the incumbents is going to back up McNamara, but Deacon Hill, a guy that didn't play Wisconsin, transferred when Paul Chris got fired, um, but apparently might be in the mix. What do we know about Deacon Hill? It's contact sport. McNamara's one hit away from, you know, not being able to answer the bell. Uh, what do we know about Deacon Hill? Is this a legitimate possibility that he could contend? Yeah, Deacon Hill, it's a very interesting. John Budmeyer is another big reason why he came to came to Iowa, right? So Budmeyer went out and scouted Deacon Hill. I believe he was the first uh, coach to offer Deacon a scholarship. And Deacon Hill by 24-7 Sports was close to a four-star prospect, has a cannon of an arm. I think his accuracy uh, needs a little bit more touch down the field, but he's got good size. Decent mobility. I, I think he's a tad. Over, he was a tad overweight at Wisconsin, which didn't really necessarily help him. But he has a cannon of an arm. I think he has good pocket presence, but the touch on the deep ball needs to continue to improve. But it, it's an intriguing skill set. But it's also the question I would raise to that guy is, is, yeah, he has a cannon of an arm, but if he'd never throw the ball down the field, then what's he bring in the table? And I think that's what we're, we are really going to need to see from him. But uh, I, I definitely wouldn't you know, roll my eyes at Deacon Hill contending for the backup quarterback spot. But as you guys know, it takes about three or four years to learn Iowa's offensive system. So who knows? (laughs) Here we go again. I was told things were going to change, and yet they haven't changed. Well, David, I want to shift over to a little basketball as we're running out of time here. Final couple minutes with you. Iowa's already heavily involved with a lot of people in the transfer portal. Uh, what BJ Mack has Iowa in his top 10. Wofford transfer. There's a big guy from Yale that I was interested in. 6'8", great block shot and rebounding percentages from him out in the Ivy League. Doesn't look like Franz on vacation. Looks like he's in there working right now. He's going to have to. And I think he, he knows that. I think everybody knows that. I think that they need to go... You know, all hands on deck. I think they need to land multiple bigs. And then, obviously, we're going to need to see how the roster turns out. I mean, given the way that college basketball is trending, if you keep your entire roster together, it's almost a miracle. It's just uncommon at this point. And I think the the player-coach end-of-season meetings are going to happen next week. So I think we'll really, you know, if something's going to move, I think we'll hear this in the next couple of weeks. And I've said this probably for the last couple of months, and it was confirmed during the NCAA tournament. I think Iowa's fine on the wing. I think they can center their offense around Peyton Sanford and a couple other people next year. I think Peyton's shown what he's capable of. Iowa has to land a big-name guard in the portal. Mm -hmm. They just need that consistency. They need a guy that can be a playmaker for others. They have not gotten the consistent backcourt production to win games in March. So I'm not ruling out that Neil Fran potentially takes up to three transfers. I, I really don't think it's crazy to think that. And that would be more transfers than Fran has taken in his entire career combined if he takes three transfers this year. But given the way everything's moving, guys, I, I think it's certainly possible. Hmm. Uh, last thing, David, and I'm not asking you to name names. Of course, the transfer portal works both ways. Do you anticipate uh, that there'll be someone leaving uh, the University of Iowa that has eligibility left that will uh, attempt to uh, catch on in another program? From Based on what I'm hearing right now, I'll be surprised if multiple people don't leave. I, I think I expect wow. one for sure, but I would be surprised if it was not multiple. We will uh, keep our ear to the ground for that one. Uh, David Eicholt, Hawkeye Insider 24-7 Sports. Glad you're sticking around, David. Thank you for doing this. Appreciate it. And we'll talk to you down the road. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate you. Take care. Yep. Good to hear from you. That's interesting. Multiple. Multiple.
Uh, by the way, Tommy Birch is reporting that uh, Stephanie Suarez, her appeal was denied. Her collegiate career is over. Now, even if she would have got it, mm-hmm. apparently in, in Birchie's piece, um, there was an ESPN mock draft for the WNBA. They have her going fourth overall. Oh, wow. So even if she would have, you know, yeah, well, come on back. Mm-hmm. I mean, fourth overall? Tough to turn that down. I think so, too. I, mean, I have no idea what the money we're talking about is. But. And she's not going to be ready to play in this year's WNBA, though, this summer. That's true. That, that's very true. Uh, we will take a timeout. We will go. That's interesting. Multiple. Multiple. Well, there's a point guard from the East Coast that would make sense. It didn't get the minutes we anticipated. Mm-hmm. Sante Bowen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who else? There's a starter that I keep wondering about. Perkins? Nope. Who? Euless? Yeah. That would make sense. They need to upgrade there. Mm-hmm. And if you lose both of them? You better go fishing. Yes. Well, as you said, McCaffrey's all like he's on vacation. He's been active. Uh, uh, we will go from uh, David Eicholt from 24-7 Sports to Nick Oson. Uh, he was at Iowa State's Pro Day yesterday. We'll pick Nick's brain on that. Miller and Condon, uh, it's 11.45 on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. At Shields. Condon, welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Let's get right to Nick Oson, CycloneAlert.com. A little bonus hit with Nick, who joins us every Monday. Uh, pro day yesterday at uh, Iowa State. Nick, of course, was there covering it for CycloneAlert.com, and he joins us. Uh, Nick, thanks for doing this. Uh, appreciate it. How are you, Nick Oson? I'm doing great, my friend. How about you, Ken? Doing well. Uh, thanks again uh, for, for popping on here. Well, I guess Will McDonald probably was the headliner, fair to say, uh, that uh, all eyes were on uh, the potential first-round uh, pick, Will McDonald, who is, and Trent pointed this out, he's right, he's all over the map as far as uh, where uh, the draft Knicks see him going. A lot of first rounds, some slipping into the into the second round. When you spoke with Will McDonald, how do you think, uh, how did he say he thought his day went yesterday? yesterday yeah though we'll we'll touch on another uh player too that i was impressed with i think it's fair to say that mcdonald was the headliner and we got to speak with him for a while that was you know maybe the longest we've really spoken with him since i've been here and he seemed to feel really good about things i'm not sure it was necessarily a picture perfect day just when i when i saw a time or two but I think what he had to do to kind of boost his stock after the combine, which, by the way, he didn't have to do much because it's been so steadily rising, I think he felt really good about things. I actually spoke with a scout or two after, and there are some specific quotes on the site as well, but they were just so impressed with not only, you know, kind of his athleticism, but basically like his bend, his explosiveness. Will had a really good day, and I know in the lead-in you mentioned that, you know, it's kind of varying – where he's listed. Ken, from what I've seen, unless they're just kind of major trades or switches like that, I do think he is the guy to end the first-round streak for Iowa State. I really do. A couple of uh, other intriguing prospects from the defense, and that's uh, MJ Anderson and also Orion Vance. You know, Orion Vance, he's got the size to him. He was a playmaker when he was out there. What do you hear about those two guys and how their pro day went yesterday? Yeah, Trent, I'll actually start with Vance. He just physically looked a lot, you know, better and kind of more physically ready for the NFL than I had ever seen him. Obviously, 
I've only, you know, been here with football for about a year, but just in kind of that NFL mold for linebackers, he looked good. He seemed to uh, test well. I know on a couple of the things I was able to see or, or hear numbers, he seemed to do well. And to me, and kind of from what I've read, I project him as a guy that will at least be in a camp and potentially get signed after the draft, even if he does not get picked late. I just feel like in addition to his production, he's got every intangible you could hope for. You know, he's very focused, team-oriented, terrific leader, obviously was one of the top leaders here. And then MJ Anderson, I think it was it was mentioned by someone on my board in that match, uh, my eye test as well. It seemed like he was dealing with a little tweak on one of his 40 runs, so I'm not sure mm. the time was quite as high as he had, or I guess as low as he had hoped for, but a lot of people were tuned into him as well. I wrote down a couple of teams that I saw. I think it was like Bears, Rams, a couple other AFC teams really were locked in on him, specifically on the 40 and some position drills. I think that he's got a good shot too, does MJ Anderson. Well, I'm anxious to hear the other guy that you put in the headliner, but I'm going to ask you, and maybe this is it, or we haven't talked about Anthony Johnson yet, but Xavier Hutchinson, uh, hard not to root for for him. Uh, love his story. Uh, like the fact that he came back for another year. Where would this offense have been with uh, without him last year, right? Uh, what uh, what uh, kind of day did Hutchinson have, and who was that other eye-opener to you? So that's exactly it, Ken. That was X. To me, Xavier Hutchinson had really almost a perfect day. I'm looking at my notes. I don't think he ran the 40. I think he stuck with uh, what he did at the combine, but a big thing for him was basically showcasing kind of his reliable hands, right? As, as obvious as that is, you know, he had a few drops late in the year and that was something he wanted to show is not a consistent issue. He did not drop one ball. He looked fast. He looked faster than he did in the season very well cut, and his route running was actually the number one thing that stood out to me. Of course, you're going against air for a lot of it, but if you watch enough football, you can see good route running ability, and just the way that he was you know, turning in his motions, kind of really selling his fake, he looked terrific. I'll mention to current Cyclones fans, Deckers threw a couple terrific deep balls. He was the guy throwing mm. to Hutchinson and Wilson. Yeah, but Xavier was actually my number one star yesterday, and Speaking to the scout that I mentioned as well, they were impressed. They, they didn't want to see any drops. He didn't have any. I think that still will be in some of the minds uh, from the tape last year. But he'll get drafted, and, and I think Hutchinson will actually stick in the league for a long time. Spring football starts tomorrow. You'll get to talk to Coach Campbell, and uh, going to be interesting to hear from him. A lot of shuffling around of the staff, of a new offensive coordinator, guys with different roles there. And kind of feels like almost a reset, kind of an offseason going into 2023. What are you looking to chase down as we get ready for spring football? Yeah, a couple things I'm really intrigued by. I would say, number one, you know, some of the youth and, and depth on the team. I Specifically, my mind goes to linebackers because obviously they lost Vance and Reader from last year. We saw some of those younger linebackers playing. They obviously brought a transfer in and Zach Levette. I'm really intrigued by that position. It's just always been one of kind of high importance to me, and that's a major one in this defense. And then number two, Trump, the offensive line. As expected, there are going to be a lot of familiar faces, but obviously a new coach there and Ryan Clanton running things. I'm just intrigued to see, you know, if it's a lot of the same starters, how guys have progressed since last year and what kind of some of those scheme looks a little bit differently as well. Unfortunately, I don't think we get to – 
have like an open practice for a while, but Mm -hmm. we get plenty of media availabilities and obviously the spring game here in about three and a half, four weeks. So it'll be intriguing. I can't believe it's already here, but I'm certainly excited. (laughs) Just rolls over from, uh, from one to the other. Uh, Just your thoughts, Stephanie Suarez, her appeal was, uh, was denied by the NCAA, uh, which is certainly unfortunate. It was a different team once she got hurt, but look, the team uh, got to the tournament. They won the big 12 tournament down in Kansas city. So it's not like they had an under, they underachieved after uh, they lost Suarez, but uh, unfortunate, the NCAA uh, is not going to grant her that extra year. I think that's the perfect word for it, Ken. Really unfortunate. And, and you know, you guys know me by this point. I'm not somebody that, you know, really clamors against NCAA refs. Anybody, I think everyone does their best, but this just seems like an obvious miss. I mean, she hasn't been here for long. She was a terrific student athlete, obviously terrible injury. I think she should have gotten another chance and. I think it would have benefited a lot of people. I think it's really unfortunate there, Ken. Good stuff, Nick. We will uh, speak with you on Monday. Thanks for popping on, Nick Oson. Appreciate it as always. Take care, Nick. Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you. Yep, speak with you on Monday. Nick Oson, 24-7 Sports, Cyclone Alert.com as we do a hit on Iowa and on uh, Iowa State. All right, Chris Connolly will join us next. What uh, would they do different when the tournament comes back? What do you think? I think they kind of have a well-oiled machine anymore. <laughs> too. Yeah. Connolly next. David Kaplan from Chicago in a half an hour. Miller and Condon.